You're listening to Veeam Partner Perspectives with Eric Doherty. Welcome to the Veeam Partner Perspectives podcast. I'm Eric Doherty. I'm really excited about this episode for a couple of reasons. First, we're covering the release of VBR and Veeam 1 version 12. And number two, I have several guests from our product strategy team here to share what they find most exciting about the new release and how partners can leverage it for more opportunities. To introduce everyone, we're going to literally go around the world here. Uh, we have people from all over the globe joining us today. So for introdu introductions, let's work west to east from my location here on the east coast of the U.S. And we'll start with my uh, other east coast colleague here. Aaron, go ahead and kick us off. Hi there, everyone. I'm Aaron Murphy. I'm a field CTO for the Americas. I'm based here in uh, New Jersey. I don't know if you wanted more from me. No, that's perfect. And <laughs> Emily, go ahead. Hello, everybody. My name is Emily Teas. I'm a product strategy technologist, and I'm based here in Arizona. Hello, everyone. Edwin Reidema here, field CTO for EMEA and based in the Netherlands. So we've, we're bringing you a global flavor of what a V12 release looks like. So coming back from our Launchpad event, sales kickoff, obviously the hot news for everybody is the new release that is officially out on Valentine's Day, which is the day that if you're listening to this podcast when it comes out is the, you know, today, that's the day it's being released. So as, you know, as the group here, you've spent a lot of time, more time than probably anybody behind the scenes working on, with the product, getting things ready, doing demos. What do you see as the most important feature that's come out in this release? The one that, the one that gets you most excited? Aaron, go ahead and start. Well, there's a lot to choose from. Um, but from a personal perspective, I've spent a, a long career working with very large databases and big applications on big databases. So from a per personal perspective, I really like the new uh, upgraded management and operations of things like Oracle, Arman, data protection, how you can create protection groups, uh, put all your systems into it, have the software rolled out and deployed everywhere automatically. Um, it's really easy. And then you can hand it over to the Oracle admins because they're always going to be responsible for making sure data is protected and, and doing recoveries. But now they can have it at their fingertips using Arman and the tools they uh, are used to. And when they send the data into Veeam, we make all the right kind of copies based on the policy that's been set up to make sure the data's, you know, made taken offsite, following our three to one rule, even made immutable, so they're protected from things like ransomware. So I I particularly like that because I've always focused on uh, real large databases. That's really cool that you picked one that's probably not the the marquee one, but is really valuable. Um, so I love the fact that you picked a feature that. Um, isn't possibly not on everybody's top five, but it's really valuable. And, and that is the ability, like you said, to, to much more automate how you initiate the management of those Oracle databases. Cause we've had the plugins for a while, but it's been a very manual process for managing them. Um, now we're enhancing that. And I think that's fantastic. Yeah, it's yeah. really it's so easy to do, man. It's so and it's so good, and it's and, and you can you can do it at scale, and it just makes everybody's life so much easier. Yeah, I'm I'm excited because uh, as one of the curator for our hands-on labs as well, we'll have to get that updated to show those new features because that Oracle one 
not being an Oracle expert by any stretch, AKA first time I touched it was doing that lab. Um, and uh, thanks to Marco Escobar for actually setting up that lab for us. First time I touched it was in there. So the fact that we have the ability for people who may not have the opportunity to work with it, be able to learn things like that and to see those kind of pro uh, pieces of the product in action is really awesome. Emily, what are your thoughts on, on what's, what's got you excited about uh, B12? Well, there's 524, I believe, <laughs> new features wow. and enhancements that were added into version 12 uh, last time I checked. Um, I know we're going to be showcasing at probably about the top five or so with the V12 launch, but I think everybody's top one, especially, you know, previously when I came from a pre-sales SE role was the direct to object. So everybody wanting to be able to take their backups, write those directly to an S3 provider of their choice, whether that's going to be on-prem or within a public cloud. Um, I think that's probably one that we see a lot of customers are just definitely waiting to get their hands on. Now I'm a little indifferent on it because I see the need as far as why you would want to send your backups directly to object. But I also have seen the other side of things where, you know, object isn't going to be the best fit for a lot of workloads, especially when we start talking about SLAs and RTOs and RPOs. Uh, you know, what does it look like for you to recover, especially if you're now having to pull all that data back down from object? Um, so it is one thing that I'm going to still try to caution customers on as well as to, hey, make sure you, you've you tested this right after you go through your restore process, because the last thing you want to do is find out during a DR event, uh, it's going to take you, you know, two weeks for you to recover this data because you didn't test the download speeds. Uh, from your object storage bucket, which I have seen customers do in the past um, that have suffered from two week outages just due to the fact that they didn't have enough bandwidth to pull that data back down. So, but besides that, I mean, if everything else checks out, object storage, I think is probably the number one uh, feature that most customers are looking and can't wait to get their hands on. And you brought up a great point, and I think it's something important for partners to remember as well, is that it's not a one-stop solution. Uh, having this direct-to-object is awesome, but they still have a lot of responsibility as the partner and the architect who's designing these solutions to make sure that just because it's available doesn't mean you use it, that you are probably going to have to still do some testing and some design work to make sure it's the right solution. But then again, that's also the beauty of our product is being software driven, pick the pick the storage that makes the most sense for your scenario. Maybe some of your generic backups go there perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, and, and to add to that, Eric, I got a question about the whole thing direct to object stores that it would break the three to one rule. I was mm. surprised by that thing coming from parts like, oh, hold on, what do you mean about breaking it? Yeah, but now we're storing it directly on object storage, so we don't have to store it anywhere else. Uh, yeah, the three to one still exist and should still be followed but you have more choices now that's what you said so they have more choices to go direct to object stores use that immutability if you don't use like the eh, the linux hardware repository or you're not a linux shop and you want to have that immutability in the first line of defense that's the whole thing that's a very good point is um you know because i think for so long for so many years since it was available as a target for backups people thought of it as the end spot 
for those backups. And now we're saying you can use it other places. That doesn't mean that that's the end of the data journey. You still need to follow those rules. That's a very good point. That's a really good point. What what makes you excited? What's your, what's your favorite feature that's coming out? Yeah, and that is asking a security guy. So that will be the security compliance, of course. So, but there are so many in there. Um, and just to pick one of them, that that's really hard to do. But there's one feature that's um, slightly overlooked, I think, and that's about easily restoring only changed files. Um, that's the whole thing about compare, and that's also what we already had in the product for like version eleven and version ten. Yeah. That we have compare options in different explorers. So the Active Directory Explorer can already check from like version 9.5, update 4, I think, uh, yep. compared to production. I always win cake with that because people always say, I didn't change anything. And they say, oh, you want a bad cake on that one? And then we just compare the, hmm, the backup with the production. And now we can also do that for the only changed files in version 12. So that would yeah. make a lot easier for people not just to press that big red button to restore everything, but just look, okay, what changed, what is touched, only restore that makes it a lot easier for people to recover. I think that's a really good point is that, that it's at speed of recovery. And I mean, that's really, if, if there was one message I think that came out of not only this, the tech breakout sessions at Launchpad, but also even the main stage stuff is that it's all about recovery now and anything that you can do to speed that recovery is the most important thing you can be doing. The backups, Backups are great and we need to do them as efficiently as possible. And I'm thrilled that we have new ways to do backups and to manage backups. When it comes to recovery, what do you guys see as some of the hottest things that have come up uh, in version 12 that are that are new for recovery? I must say the speed. Uh, a lot of people underestimate it. If you compare that with competition, okay, our colleagues in the field, um, Veeam is built and architected around restore, not about backup. Of course, backup is stable stakes. You have to have that 100% foundation, but it's about the speed. And even in version 12, we increase that speed with some of the, the smaller things like compression rates. If you have the normal default on, it doesn't change. But if you go into more aggressive modes about uh, compression, it will help you speed up like twice or even three times in the recovery times. So that's interesting. Interesting, yeah. See, and that's, that's the thing that, that you have to think about. And I, I'm glad you brought up about the engine. I want to talk about some of those under the hood changes a little bit more uh, in a couple minutes here. But Emily, what did you, what do, what do you see as some of the good recovery features that have uh, either been enhanced or added? Oh, well, there's, so from a partner perspective, right? So, so to Edwin's point, make sure you uh, take a look at the way that proxies are being utilized because there was enhancements there as far as how we're going to start leveraging those cores more efficiently. Um, so from a sizing perspective, you guys will start seeing some, some more documentation around best practices for guides coming out. Um, but when it comes to recoveries, I mean, the permissions only restores from uh, the files to what Edwin mentioned earlier. There's enhancements with an enterprise manager where you can now do instant VM recovery, kicking that off directly from there. And I know Aaron's probably going to be excited about the SQL parallel restore uh, from within the SQL Explorer. So, I mean, there's just tons of enhancements, but yeah, they're they're just going to continue to get better and better. My personal favorite, though, would be the Postgres Explorer that gets added in. So oh, that was oh, one yeah. that we've had customers ask for for a while now. Um, so it's exciting to see that one get added in as the actual Explorer feature for 
uh, theme. Cool. And Aaron, is it the se- is it the sequel features? Is that well, I was I was going to go with Postgres, but Emily just stole my thunder there. Oh. Um, but having said that, and um, going a, l- a little bit around the houses, one of the th- you know you can only do a restore if you have a backup. So I'm kind of m- excited around uh, a lot of the han- enhancements in Veeam One, which we'll probably talk about more later. But that whole making sure that you have the copies you need by your policy, that they're made immutable, that they're in the right locations. I've got more visibility on my databases and VB365 and all those kind of things, that, that gets me excited. And in particular, the, I've been playing around with the APIs and looking to get more compliance type reporting and observability, uh, that kind of thing. So for me, that, those are the kind of things that get me excited because I know I've got a good copy. I know I'm in compliance and now it's easier than ever to restore it. And that's huge. I'm glad you brought up Beam One because I feel like sometimes in all these these major releases that it Veeam one kind of gets missed out on it gets it gets ignored it's the you know it it's not the big the big fancy you know it's not the backup product it's important though and it always gets updated at the same time so clearly there's value and there's more value every time so let's talk a little bit about what are some of the great new features that are in version 12 of Veeam one um, if I can add something to that for the partners, because I had the discussion just like two days ago uh, about Veeam One, and a lot of those partners looked at Veeam One like three, four years ago, and we didn't have a clear path at that moment in time, I think, as Veeam. But now with Veeam One being the one dashboard that you can see all your data traffic coming through, doesn't matter which product from Veeam you're using, it will all be in there. And compared to four years ago, it was not that far yet. So now, if you do uh, like Veeam 1 or didn't install it yet, try it again because it will give you a nice insight now in the whole protection across all your workloads, across all locations. That's a good point. There's, there are so many new features in it, and I, I'm thrilled with that. Like, um, I'll just mention one and maybe take some of your thunder, the one that I'm I think everybody's thrilled to finally see, and that's the Office 365, the Microsoft 365 integration. Um, that's one that I know that has been asked about from my partners and, and customers out there for a while. So, you know, seeing that coming. And number one, something that partners and customers need to recognize too is their feedback on asking for things like that lead to them getting into products. I don't think that people realize how much we listen to feedback to decide what's going to be in the next version of the product. What's the, uh, so what's, you know, now that I hopefully didn't take your thunder, Emily, what, what do you see in Beam One? What's, what's the enhancement that you've seen that uh, really brought it forward? Because I agree, it's become much, so much more robust. I've been with Beam for four years, worked with it prior um, to see how this product alone has developed and become something that is, you know, gone from an option to a necessity, in my opinion, um, okay. it's been great. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and so in previous life, right, I came from a partner side too. I was with one of our uh, corporate resellers uh, before joining Veeam. And one of the, so I've been here for about eight years now. And one of the things that I used to do was always point our partners to using Veeam One to help them perform health checks or just to gather information on their customer's environment, right? Because it was such an easy tool for them just to grab from their website, 
leverage a trial key, plug in, they can pull in all the information from vCenter, they can pull in all the information from Hyper-V, and they can easily see, okay, these are the amount of workloads that you guys have. These are ones that haven't been fully uh, destroyed and that are still leveraging CPU and RAM resources, right? And they could really use that to kind of help them with uh, cleaning up a customer's environment and getting a better understanding of it all. Um, and then to Edwin's point, right, it just makes it makes it even better with being able to add those additional workloads into it. Um, so M365, I think, is everybody's favorite just because we're starting to see so much more get added in there. And if you're a partner that's managing multiple M365 environments for customers, right, being able to see between those M365 servers or being able to see how much repository uh, consumption they're using on a daily basis, uh, those are all going to be really, really good keys for you to understand how that customer's data is going to continue to grow and what you can do to kind of supplement that as uh, as you continue to be their partner. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's something, and I, I've promoted it many times as a discovery tool to partners. And I think that people need to realize just how valuable that is. Again, with that trial key, um, you know, you can you could literally install it, take your take your customer to lunch, and have some data immediately, or you know, put it in there for a few weeks and get even more. But you can immediately start to show results literally by just taking a couple hours for it to run. Um, right. And turn that into real results that help you to design the right solution for them. Yeah. And let's not forget. Right. So so as we talk about Veeam Backup and Replication, we talk about Veeam One. Uh, my product that I support directly is Veeam Recovery Orchestrator. And Veeam Recovery Orchestrator is using both of those tools fully embedded into the software. So we use Veeam One to collect data on the environment. So we know where our recovery locations are gonna be. We know how our virtual machines are set up in production and assigning those SLAs. So as those products start to roll out and become more feature rich, just think of all the additional capabilities that get added on with Veeam Recovery Orchestrator um, being your full one-stop shop when it comes to disaster recovery orchestration and having a full disaster recovery plan built in place. And that is one of my favorite products that we have, and it should be our partner's favorite product because I think it's the number one product that leads to more consulting services because of all the planning and everything that needs to go into creating that recovery scenario. Um, so I'm hoping I, you know, this is the year, especially the way we bundled things in a new way, which you'll see more about on the, uh, on the release uh, day event. If you, if you haven't heard about it already of how we're bundling the products to make it even easier for customers to consume orchestrator. All right, Aaron, which, which sequel feature of uh, theme one is your favorite? Oh, <laughs> I was, I was sat here thinking I could probably talk for the next uh, 30 minutes. I'm a bit of a, a bit of a database guy, as I mentioned. So the first thing I did with uh, VM1 for 12 was go in and have a look at the database. How many extra data views were there? It's nearly double what there was in uh, 11 mm. before that, which means there's a whole bunch more things put into it. There's more in the APIs that you can get out. Um, so I think that's pretty exciting for the sort of things that you know uh, customers want to do when they want to integrate their um, reporting with other products. I mean, but out of the box, there are nice simple reports like enhanced the immutability you know sort of assessment where you can see all your workloads all your restore points their immutability status 
you can have that full green light to say, whatever happens to my data, whatever disaster happens, I'm in a good state here, and I've got I've got something I can restore for. But there's a there's a bit of a there's a another feature in there that um, when I was looking into it that I was really excited was which is the full security audit log of Veeam One pushing into the Windows event log, so that I can I can take that and I can use that for other things to get you know better alerting, better information about what's been going on in my environment as people are using the product. Oh wow, that's that is huge because again, going back to security. Auditing and tracking who's doing what is uh, critical, even what's doing what when it comes to server talking to server. Um, the more of that information you can collect, the happier Edwin is. Yeah, <laughs> you make me happy then. Um, but yeah, that, that's one thing that's a real small gem that's been hidden in there. That's the jobs calendar in V1. Uh, you will see all the jobs there. But there's something that's not being highlighted. There's a purple bar on top of it. And the more bright it is, and the more deep the color is, the more intense those jobs are being hammered at that moment in time in that time slot. So if you go to the different time slots and you see that there's a white one, you can start a new job in that particular time slot instead of cramping everything at one a night uh, to start. So that makes it easier for people, especially administrators doing the backups, finding a time slot where it's the right time slot to start the, the backups. That view, the job calendar view, as soon as some have seen that, they will fall in love. Especially on February the 14th, so they will fall <laughs> in love. That's a great feature. So if you're looking at it and it's white or like a light pastel lavender, you could probably do more jobs at that time. If it's a deep, dark violet, then maybe you want to pick another time. That's, that's a cool feature. Um, and again, one that uh, might take people a little time to discover without you sharing. It's almost like it's a little Easter egg in there, but that's cool. Yeah, we have hidden so many Easter eggs. That's what we also had in previous products. Yeah, using the arrow keys left and right, going through the history of some uh, statistics in VBR. And still people don't know about it. And so, it could yeah. be a much faster way for them to peruse that information. And they're sitting there dealing with scrolling mice and everything still. That's, that's cool. That's really cool. And that's the thing. You could probably do a whole a whole video session just on hidden ways to make your Veeam 1 experience faster and easier. Not that you don't have enough videos and things to put together yourselves right now, but let me just throw more ideas at you. <laughs> <laughs> Always a good thing to have more ideas. Absolutely. So we talked a little bit about the... Um, the engine changes that are at, you know, making recovery times faster, especially when it comes to object. What other under the hood things that aren't necessarily like those big bright features that, that get all the press? What are the ones that under the hood that you think are making this a great release? Emily, go ahead. I'll let you go first. All right. I yeah. yours time. <laughs> I'm going to name all of them. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Probably the one that I've been asked about the most was group managed service accounts. So you, being you able to add... for the inexperienced. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was probably the one that's far as far as like a lot of customers looking at uh, being able to leverage uh, GMSA for um, assigning different resources within the Beam backup and replication environment. Um, so that one's pretty exciting to see just because we haven't really talked too much about that, but that goes alongside with, you know, the MFA that's getting all of the, all the love right now from a lot of customers for uh, being the number one feature that everybody's waited for. Although 
you could have always used some other type of um, session onto the actual Beam server itself, right? So just because you now have MFA on the actual Beam console doesn't mean you should not do the best practices from a security perspective of making sure that you are actually locking up the full Veeam server, not just the application, which I'm sure Edwin's going to add some additional color on. Yes. So but you, you bring up a good point there, and especially with, with the GMSA. So that's another step towards not using traditional username and passwords. And that that's huge because every iteration that we've seen recently does away with that more and more. We talk about app passwords when it comes to things like Azure and 365, um, the more, you know, keys that we're using that, that are encrypted as opposed to, you know, that traditional and getting rid of root user everywhere we can on the Linux side. Um, these kind of things, while they don't get a lot of press, are the things that make it an even more secure platform than it used to be. Yeah, and I'll toss another one in there uh, after Aaron and, and Edwin go as a Easter egg if, they don't mention it. So, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but what's your favorite under the hood there, Aaron? Well, there's a there's a number of things. I think just across the board, how we've you can't really put it on a slide and say we'll build we'll develop more business on it. But we focus on making sure that the movement of data is faster in all sorts of places across the product, and that's just going to make our customers happy. They upgrade and things are better, faster means they can get more uh, capability out of the infrastructure they have. And we put a lot of effort into that. So that, that was something that made me happy. Um, I, I, I'm probably not so much under the hood, but there's one in, uh, you know, the, in, with the NAS backup where you can kind of mount uh, the NAS, NAS backup and go and look at the data. It used to be read-only, now that's read-write. So I can go and do analysis on that and then push those changes back into production, I think there's a potential for a lot of uh, a lot of use cases around that that I'm, I'm looking forward to investigating more. Yeah, I'll, I'll be looking forward to hearing more about that because that data, again, I, you know, just from a straight up recovery from a ransomware attack, I mean, how long can it take to, you know, say you have dozens of terabytes at a minimum on some sort of a NAS device, the fact that you can get your users back to work quickly and read write with, so you don't have to take extra steps to, to merge those things back together or rely on the users to go back and resave their data to the right location. Um, again, that's just an, another ease of use thing that gives you what you need, uh, you know, right at the point you need it without extra steps from the administrators. That's, yeah. that's huge. Edwin, what you got? What's, what's your favorite under the hood? Yeah, it's not even a security one, but it's, it's wow. one about the PowerShell commands being published now in the summary of a backup job. So if you do particular things, it will have a summary. And at the bottom, there will be PowerShell command let to start the job on backup server and the complete command will be visible there. So if you are not really into PowerShell yet and you want to learn more and you want to automate things and orchestrate, especially when you're using the, the Veeam Recovery Orchestrator, you want to know more how things work below the hood. Uh, that one is really interesting because it, it will show you the particular commands you will need in PowerShell to get it done in a different That's really cool. And I think that the PowerShell commands are an underutilized feature um, that I think, again, partners could take advantage of to, to write some of those scripts. And also, I don't think that as many realize the volume of information we have in our GitHub repository that is oh, yeah. available to them that 
you know, if somebody has an idea, don't start with a blank sheet, look there first. And that's Beam Hub is the repository, right? Yes. Okay. So that's, I think that's a huge thing to do. I, yeah, we got a ton of stuff there, much more than uh, than than would be expected. I mean, it, I think we've probably got more than any other vendor in this space in that in that to help you do automation and do integration with things. And it's my kind of background of where I come from. I think for the last twenty five years, if I have to do something twice, I want to automate it. I've never wanted to click on a mouse for anything, right? Um, so so I, I, and that feature of Medwin, someone told me about it. And I went, that's brilliant. I should remember that. And I'd actually forgotten it until he just reminded me there. But now I've written it down on a piece of paper. So there it should go. make my life easier. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, but also we, we, we added a, a lot of things about the security thing, about the modern authentication support for the email uh, across all products. So not just one feature. It's everywhere now. You can choose modern authentication support or OAD for that one. So yeah, there are so many, and uh, Emily was already mentioning 542, uh, if I re <laughs> recall correctly, uh, new features in there. So the, what's new document should be huge, still not out, will be available <laughs> at general, huh? general availability. So going to be a nice reading there. Let's see yes. how much is mentioned and how much we should find out ourselves. Yeah, that'll be fun. And Aaron, what's your favorite under the hood? Oh, I think I just gave you a lot of my favorite under the hood. I mean, there's uh, I, I talked about performance across the the board, but um, yeah. there was there was I I also come from uh, being the old man with a gray beard. I come from uh, using I started out doing backups to tape, and tape is still a a real good location for a lot of customers uh, to store data for a long time. It's not using power. Um, and we've we've really looked at that and said, right, we're going to massively improve the performance. You can you can be into millions and millions of files now, and the performance is is off the charts. And it's, it's a, now, now there's more choices for people, and, and tape could be something that they might want to invest in uh, for long term retention of data. I, you know, it's a, it's interesting you mentioned tape because tape's never going to die. We've all just realized that. How many times has that been declared dead and come back off the table? Um, but one of the features that was added was NAS to tape. And when I first heard it, my first thought was, well, didn't we write all this to get away from direct to tape? Cause that's what NDMP was. But the big thing to remember is that we're bringing the features of what we do in our NAS back up to a direct to tape scenario for those that just need to get it archived out there right away and don't have disc that they want to park it to. Um, and I think that's an interesting thing that, that we've done. We've seen that there's still a need and we've made that available. Yeah, that, that's true. Um, I've built a lot of those robotic streets in the past. Then I dismantled them all. Now we're introducing them again, but the, the, the usage has changed. So the use case is different. Um, in the past, it was for long-term retention. Now it's for the first backup. How silly that sounds, but that's, it's yeah. because seven days make it immutable. That tape has three characteristics. Can be immutable, can be offline, can be offsite all in one medium. And that's the whole thing. And if you look at the ransomware costs, they are really high. And the tape handling costs, and that's why we stepped away from tape in like 10 years ago. And now it's reintroduced because the handling cost is nowhere compared to what you have to pay up for ransom and all costs associated with it. So that's a different thing. That's also why we introduced that whole NAS to tape, because you can also do NAS to disk and disk to tape by files to tape. Um, so you only have to pay the license once. So coming from source to disk, there you pay the license. Then you can do a second copy 
to tape, for instance. Yeah. Especially when you want to have that immutable ransomware uh, offsite copy. That's the whole use case that's there. So make sure that people look into that one, especially when you are used to tape from the past. And I think a lot of backup admins are. Um, start using it again because it's kind of cheap compared to other things. And it will save your bacon there more than once. That's a good point. It's a really good point. Um, Emily, you, you you promised an Easter egg. Did, did the guys take your Easter egg? They did not. All right. They did not. So we we're talking about different ways that we could we could leverage recoveries and kind of getting away from traditional username password, right? So one of those other features that's kind of hidden and isn't really talked about are recovery tokens for our Windows agents. So that is also something that's included with that version 12 update, which, you know, when we start talking about version 12, we forget that it encompasses so many other products, right? Mm -hmm. So we have the Windows agents, the Linux agents, you have Veeam one that's in there. You also have to think about all the plugins for databases. Um, It encompasses all of that. Uh, So recovery tokens for Windows agents, which, you know, we've had end users that have had issues with laptops or certain servers and want to be able to recover their own data their way. And so being able to delegate those restore rights out to those end users and they'll be able to perform their own recoveries from their backups um, is actually pretty cool. So something that for partners, if you're looking at selling Windows agents or data protection to them for their those uh, small desktops, things like that, that might be something of interest for those end users to be able to leverage recovery tokens. Yeah, self-service is is huge because, uh, you know, anytime you can do that to, you know, anytime you can offer that to the end user, they like it too, because they, they don't necessarily for everything want to have to call in a help desk. They want to be able to do things themselves quickly. So that makes sense. So one, one of the things I wanted to bring up that I like, that I think has been covered, I don't necessarily see a ton on on social media, is that we have made a big change to our database engine in V12. And I think anybody who ends up hearing about it thinks it's for the better and also starts to think of some things of what does this mean for the future? So, um, all right, as database guy, Aaron, I'm going to let you describe what the big change is to the database. Well, the, the, option, the, the big change is that the, you've got the option to do everything in uh, PostgreSQL, which is a, a modern favorite um, database that people use for all sorts of applications, for reporting a lot of big data stuff. It's it's there. It's available to use. You can you can have it on a platform and use it. You can install it yourself on Windows or Linux and use it. You've got a lot of choices, and it's and it's going to give you in in large environments a lot more scalability. Um, so I think and it's affordability a, and affordability. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times what was happening to people is with the SQL express engine, there were a couple of things and it's interesting. Um, so first, you know, they run out of scale quickly because of the limitations on, on SQL express from a, from a hardware perspective and, and storage perspective. But another interesting thing that was coming up towards the end here with V11 is that the version of SQL express that's, um, embedded with the install was falling out of support with Microsoft. And so people started worrying about that. And it's like, well, how do you install a piece of this that you technically didn't install yourself? And what are the implications? Um, I don't think that that is going to be as 
worrisome with Postgres. I just, I, I think first off, I think anytime, and I, I used to work at Microsoft, but anytime that you can not have to license something to another company like that um, to run your own product, I think is a good thing. And it's um, helped us with some of, you know, there are features that we've put in, like the, the speed of, with tape and recovery and dealing with lots of files and things. We've put more into the index because we now have the option of a more affordable, more scalable index at the back end. So it's going to help us going forward. Yes, but I think we have to compare it with SQL standard or enterprise. Um, what often is the case is that someone installs it right from the start do a full installation on one, all in one. Then you have SQL Express. Yes, that has, has the limitation of one CPU, four gigs of memory. You will run out fast, especially when you're doing the files to tape or NAS to tape. Mm -hmm. um, they will not scale if you're using SQL Express. So use standard or enterprise for SQL or go Postgres. And that's also why we have that improvement in the engine because our engineering department could use Postgres to the fullest without having to have a license there. So what they did, they did a lot of optimizations, but they also ported that back to the SQL standard and enterprise. So both will work depending on, of course, how your infrastructure is being built, how your customers are leveraging that. So the, the freedom of choice, that's the beauty of this. It's exactly what I was just going to say. The fact that you're giving that choice, uh, people aren't comfortable with one, they can go with the other, um, knowing the limitations or also, like you said, uh, licensing. If you already have you know SQL databases running and you have the spare horsepower to run it on there, go for it. Um, but again, having that choice and there's an upgrade path. If somebody wants to change databases during their V12, there are written directions on how to do that. Yes. But please do not, do not make them do that right away for some no, customers, right? I, would, I wouldn't do that. The, that would not be a day one thing. Maybe, yeah. maybe try that in the lab first. Yeah. I did that and you can do it on day one, really. Try it. You can do it. Um, especially I do you can that go on my back. Lab and take a snapshot first. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, make sure that you have a backup there, right? Exactly. But you can you can go uh, to Postgres, but you can also go back to SQL. So you have both ways. It's not just the one way street. You can go both ways. So if it doesn't fit your needs uh, because you don't have the skill set or something else is, is is popping up, go back or go forward, depending on where you want. Yeah, and one other thing too, right, is that you can do it embedded, right? So it's part of that entire wizard-driven process as far as when you go to upgrade, you'll get the option of, would you like to move this over to Postgres? And then if you do, we would automatically right-size it for you. So that way we're using the appropriate amount of CPU and RAM resources based off of that machine that Veeam backup and replication is running. But you also have the option to do a remote um, SQL, uh, Postgres SQL, I almost had something drop in the background, but they're really <laughs> loud, uh, to do a remote Postgres SQL deployment. And if so, there's going to be a command function that comes included in Help Center. So that way you can make sure that that remote installation is going to be right-sized for the environment as well. That's perfect. Uh, and that, like I said, that's something I think people are either excited about or scared about. But again, going back to the old tagline, a simple, flexible, reliable, Flexibility, the ability you choose what makes the most sense for your environment. I think that's huge. Well, and the good thing is we've been using it and some of our other products in the cloud for some time. So we know how to use it. We know it's going to work. And, we've, and it's, not, it's not like it's the first release, therefore you should be concerned about it. You know, and you've got a choice. If you have skills in SQL, use that. If you have the, the relevant skills in uh, PostgreSQL, you can use that for all the advantages we've talked about. 
because Postgres is the database engine for backup for Azure, AWS, Google, and Salesforce, right? That's, That's right. right. So yeah, there's there's the experience we have with it. This is not our first try at it by any stretch. Um, and that's the thing I think folks need to remember that 99% of the time when you see something in our product, it's not our first try at anything. We've been either doing it in-house or testing the daylights out of it for a few versions. So that's why when our products come out, they're, they're pretty darn clean. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it doesn't see the light, like the NAS version 1 never saw the light. We started with version 2 because version 1 was not good enough in our R&D standards. So we dropped that one and brought the new one. There you go. Perfect example. Instead of just pushing a product out to say we have that feature, wait till it's right. I think that I think that's a big differentiator too, because we've seen many times where it's like, you know, how many day times the old, you know, go to pick on Microsoft again. It's like I'm not installing it until Service Pack One's out. And then even then, sometimes you're like, Do I wait for Service Pack Two? Um, you know, back in the old days, it was, you know, nobody installed <laughs> nobody installed the dot release of anything. Um but you can have the confidence that we have the capabilities because we're we're doing that level of testing and, and we're, we're willing to say when something doesn't work. And I think that that's, that's gigantic as opposed to just make sure we have the marketing materials to claim we can do it. So we talked a lot about um, VBR and Veeam1 and obviously also orchestrators getting iteration. Real quick, Emily, as the orchestrator expert, what are the hot new features that we can see in that? Because it's going to be released on the same day in the new version as uh, as BBR and V1, right? It's another Valentine's it Day release. Yeah, and that one has just as many features. I'm just kidding. Not not the same 500 and plus so features, but there's a good chunk. Um, and I think the interesting, and what I'm probably going to coin as a term, is we're making Orchestrator available to all. Right. It's not it's no longer going to be a you need to have a secondary site. You need to use Veeam CDP based replication or regular replication. It's no, let's let's start thinking about how we can leverage your backups and make those part of the recovery plans for how long is it going to take for us to get data back up and running. So the three points for Veeam Recovery Orchestrators, Cloud DR, Agent DR, Clean DR. So take any backup, whether that's a vSphere backup or an agent backup and recover that directly to Azure. So it's leveraging the direct to Azure feature and Beam backup and replication. We're converting that workload on the fly, positioning up inside of your Azure environment and giving you that peace of mind to say, if something were to happen locally on-prem, you don't have a secondary site, we can now take these backups, convert them on the fly, and you now have running workloads within Azure. Uh, agent DR, same thing. We're doing the same thing with those agent backups of being able to do direct restore to Azure, but now we can also do uh, instant VM recovery of those to a vSphere virtual machine too. So Windows, Linux backups, we can go ahead and convert those on the fly, put them inside of your vSphere environment in the event that you needed to do a physical to virtual conversion of those. And then probably my favorite and we're going to see some additional enhancements for vNext of Veeam Recovery Orchestrator um, is clean DR. So secure restore, which I think ransomware is on everybody's mind. So how do we ensure that if we are hit by ransomware attack, if we're recovering from our backups, we're not recovering any malicious data back. Secure restore is that way, but being able to have that fully automated, tested, and part of your documentation plan 
is what Beam Recovery Orchestrator is going to bring to it. So now we have a nice checkbox feature where we could say, we've tested, we validated, we've done secure restore on both the agent backups and the vSphere backups. We know this is the cleanest restore point we can roll back to because we've leveraged the AV definition that's been updated with the ransomware or the malicious code that was infected in the environment. And we've identified what that potential clean backup could be. Um, and we're able to recover that directly into uh, whatever clean environment, whether that's going to be to Azure or back down to vSphere. Um, so those are going to be the three pieces that we're going to see talked about the most when it comes to Beam Recovery Orchestrator. But then there's a whole bunch of other enhancements in the background. Um, but I'm most excited for that clean VR one. That's awesome. Uh, I'm I'm excited. I'll be in touch as the person who has to update our orchestrator hands on lab. I will be in touch with you shortly to get these features running properly to give people a, a proper hands on lab experience here in, in North America and then to share around the world. Because um, I think nothing nothing teaches better than doing. So I always love to keep those up to date. Yep. Um, yeah, so. that's a good one. But let me get a myth out of the way because we're talking about the ransomware. It's the dwell time. And a lot of partners ask that. It's like, yeah, but they have been in the system for 240 days and there's ransomware in the backups. Yeah, but we don't fire up in the backups. We store blocks in there, no files. So there are blocks. We'll never fire up from the backup until you do a restore, right? That's where the secure restore and the clean DR comes from. But um, if you have been hit by ransomware now, and you have a backup 24 hours ago, you know that the backup is good. Yeah, there could be something in there. So you don't have to go back 240 days. No, that's well, and that's a very valid point. And yes, just because it's there doesn't mean it's been executed on and you can you can tiptoe around it and you're not mounting anything. That is that is very valid. I always use the, the feature because I know that a lot of products scan on backup and I'm like, well, that's all well and good, but that just means it was good at that moment, maybe yep. or it's good, good per the AV. Don't you want to know it's good today? Yeah, that's <laughs> also, one of those nuggets is that uh, secure restore is in the secure backup. Yeah. So you can test during the week particular um, high critical machines yes. and run them through a deep scan instead of the heuristics for like three seconds that they have to determine is there something in there? No, you can take eight hours, do a deep scan on that particular machine, and you get a report from that from the secure backup one. And that makes it a lot easier and also better to sleep at night. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, to, and to your point, right, of recovering options. So there's nothing great. It's going to recover just fine with no issue. But there's other options as far as if you do find something, right, let's say we can recover it, but we don't connect it automatically to the network. So that way you can go ahead and do your due diligence and run any additional scans that you want to in there or start removing any of the data that you need to. And then the other part that gets added on with Recovery Orchestrator is recovering to a quarantine network within Azure. So if you have your Azure subscription accounts, you have your production network, you could set up a quarantine network, so just a separate VNet, and you can associate that to your recovery location. So that way you could say, okay, well, we did find something and maybe we want to run some additional forensics or just analysis on this data set itself. Let's recover it to this quarantine location that sits within Azure. It's off of our production and we can run our own diagnostics there. Um, so there's some additional steps that also come into play that will allow customers a lot more flexibility um, when it comes to actually talking about malware or ransomware um, specifically. 
That's great. And and from, you know, for the partners, this is a great way setting up all these environments and making sure that these quarantine networks, and especially if, if they're going to do recovery to Azure, to set up that, I mean, you don't just decide one day you're going to recover to Azure. There's prep work that needs to be done. Another opportunity for great, you know, for services. I think there's so many opportunities for add-on services. Um, it's just a matter of the partner needs to look and, and again, recovery, recovery breeds services uh, for, for partners. So always be thinking of that. So I, I appreciate everybody's time today. This was awesome. I think we got a lot of great insight that uh, I've enjoyed it. I hope that my listeners enjoy it just as much as, as I have. Um, any parting thoughts as we, uh, as we wrap up here? Any, any last minute things, things to look out for, what's coming in the future? Um, I'll just throw in there too. So I know that on the community, uh, Rick and Madalena and our and Sophia, our community team is actually working on um, an upgrade cheat list. Uh, cheat list. So they're going to give you an option. So I know you're, you're all familiar. You go into Help Center and it gives you a big upgrade checklist that you can kind of go through um, to do your checks. But for some, it might just be a little. A little too long or if some things don't apply right so there's going to be one posted on the community forums uh, that'll actually go through uh, a cheap way to do it so you can kind of make sure that everything's verified and you can follow through with upgrade tips and tricks uh, for version 12 so keep on the lookout for that because that'll probably be released on the veeam.com community forum cool yeah i have i just wanted to talk a little bit about we enable service uh, partners with our service provider console, and there were a lot of enhancements there to make it easy to remote deployment and upgrades, more restore options, more integrations with uh, different uh, Veeam products like the cloud products. So I think there's a lot more, whether you're a, a, a partner who's delivering that service or whether you're thinking about it or whether you're a customer consuming uh, back at yourself or thinking about going to uh, a Veeam service partner, then there's a lot more options there. Um, and they probably also, all the service partners probably also all the noise on Twitter about get get your version V12, get it tested, because uh, there's a lot more for you in there, because that was going around a lot recently. So uh, I thought that was pretty exciting. That's great. Yeah. I mean, it's, we didn't even touch on what's what's new for service providers on that. It's a whole, di whole different topic and a whole different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> So let's throw in the last Easter egg um, as, as a parting gift. Um, Enterprise Manager doesn't get a lot of love, right? Um, but we all sometimes have some issues. There are some support cases that have to be opened. Um, if you're trying to get that support bundle, that's always like a pain in the ass, right? Um, if you now go into Enterprise Manager, go into Configuration, go to About, and then there will be a support information download support logs link that gathers all the support logs all together all at once and you're done just send that over it makes life so much easier for services and support that's brilliant but yet another reason that no matter what size you are you should install enterprise manager that's awesome well thank i appreciate you joining me today i'm so excited about the v12 release uh, i hope everybody watches the uh, global release event that's happening on Valentine's Day and either listen to this podcast before or after, find out some cool new stuff that maybe wasn't covered on the release event. And I look forward to having each of you on uh, in the future because I think this was great and uh, 
I think that the listeners will really appreciate everything you've had to say. So thank you very much. This has been Veeam Partner Perspectives with Eric Doherty. Thank you for listening.